Welcome to Gather Round with Rebecca Spooner. I was praying about this podcast and what I should talk about, and the word that came to mind is ownership. What are you taking ownership of? So we're going to be talking about um, something that I think we're we're all at risk of. I, I think that I've mentioned before, and I've probably done podcasts before about the power of our words, possibly even recently done one on the power of our words. Seems kind of fresh in my memory. But I want to talk a little bit more about, um, I guess, the negative impact of our words and and the kind of things that we are taking ownership of that maybe are not for us to take ownership of. So um, I'm talking I'm talking about the I haves, I ams, I'm not, I can't, I won't, I don't. Um, those kind of words spoken over ourselves that we align with, that we take ownership of, that we speak. Um, and prophesy over ourselves and and then you know wonder why we're stuck why we're in captivity why we just can't seem to find breakthrough when we're actually speaking over knowing the power of our words speaking over um, sometimes these these curses or agreeing with these lies over ourselves so we're gonna be talking this kind of goes in line with where we've talked in the past about um, you know, our thoughts and taking our thoughts captive together with the power of our words. And, and when that doesn't happen, this is kind of the, the natural outcome of it. So I hope you're ready for a little bit of a deeper discussion. I have a lot of scripture for you, um, that you can look up and and find and research more and dig deeper and see what the Lord is saying to you. As with anything, you guys, please do not take my word for it. Take it to Holy Spirit. Take it to the word. Test everything. The Bible says test everything. So um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Grab some coffee and let's get started. I know I usually close in prayer, but I'm actually going to open in prayer today because I actually have had this on pause for quite some time, trying to figure out where I'm going to get started. I I have some verses, but I'm not really sure where this is going to go today. However, I do know that there is a lot of controversy and that I'm about to walk on some spiritual minefields and probably say some things that, um, that, that people won't agree with me about, and that's okay. But I just want to start with prayer, and I want to cover it with just the unity of the body of Christ. Because this is the kind of stuff that when we hear something that we don't agree with, people's, people's backs go up, and we have a tendency to go on these rampages, and I've talked about that in the past as well, of, of you know, of saying everything because I don't agree with you, you are wrong, I am right, um, nothing you do or say could ever be used by God, um, the cancel culture kind of thing of Christianity. And so I believe that that we can disagree on things. I believe that especially, I mean, I'm talking about things that aren't the, the basic tenets of salvation um, and that that's okay. And I'm going to share some things today. So let's let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just invite you into this podcast. God, I ask that not my words would be spoken, but yours. I pray that as I process and and share the the little glimpse you've given me of what you want to talk about today, God, that um, that you would just go behind and before me. I pray that you would um, you would give me the words to say. I pray that. Um, 
that you would prepare our hearts to hear what you want to speak. You would prepare our minds, that you would give revelation, fresh revelation for us all. And I pray that this would be covered by just the unity of the body of Christ. God, you desire for your people with all their different backgrounds and all their different opinions to still be united. And so I pray for just the unity of the body of Christ. I pray that love would abound in the words that I speak and that love would be heard in the words that are listened. I pray for just a covering and that even right now in the midst of our homes or cars or wherever we're listening to this, God, that we would sense your presence, that you would be with us, and that you would guide and lead and direct us in all areas of our life and pinpoint these spots where we have been speaking um, instead of life, we've been speaking death. And where we have been, um, instead of speaking truth, we've been speaking lies. God, I just pray that you would reveal these areas of our life to us. I pray that you would begin to teach us how to align our lives with your word and align our mouths with your word. That we would think before we speak and recognize the power of our tongue and that we would begin to walk in victory in our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so let's just say all the things, and, and if it doesn't come out right, I'm just going to trust that God's going to cover me. <laughs> uh, all right, so the things that we're talking about taking ownership of are my my words in on my little notepad here are, it's mine. It's mine. So these are the things like I have, and I would say I'm going to specifically go into sickness with this. Um, I think that this is a very common thing. This is a very natural thing. This is just what we do. I have a cold. I have cancer. I have um, hearing loss. I have, I have, I have, I have. Um, we speak this over ourselves all the time. It's just very, very much so what we're facing in the natural. And so we say it, you know, um, my, my child's been diagnosed with, um, like it just, it just comes out. We hear something, we get some sort of a diagnosis specifically from someone in the world, a doctor, a a psychologist, whoever it may be. And we say, that's truth. That is what I have. I'm going to put it over top of me like a cloak. I'm going to say that this is, this is who I am now. It becomes part of my identity. It becomes part of how you introduce yourself to people and the small talk that you give and you accept it. Now I, I have to preface this. We have to go onto a tangent and this is the, the part that I'm a little bit, we'll see where this goes, but, um, I, we can't talk about sickness and we can't talk about specifically not speaking sickness of ourselves without also talking about healing. I'm hoping that most of you by now know that I definitely believe in the gifts of the Spirit still today. I believe in the Holy Spirit that is, um, I believe, highly rejected in in many circles um, because, you know, the Holy Spirit makes people uncomfortable. Um, And so I also know that there is, you know, a whole cessationist movement of people who believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't doesn't move today and it's you know just this it becomes almost an abstract concept somewhere up in heaven yes the holy spirit exists because it's in scripture but you know he's somewhere up in heaven and and not really involved in our lives here but that's not scriptural because the bible says that jesus had to leave so that he could send the helper that that the holy spirit would come it says that, that the people were anointed by the holy spirit um through the laying on of hands so so 
Holy Spirit exists here on earth. Holy Spirit is involved in our lives here on earth, that there are gifts of the Spirit here on earth, and that the ministry that Jesus started did not end when Jesus went to heaven. Because, of course, we have the, the, the disciples, we have the apostles who continued that ministry after he had passed. So I believe that those things, what we read in the Bible, is still true for us today. I don't think it ended. I don't think it's just a history book. I think that it is living and active and useful in our everyday life. So that being said, I definitely believe in healing. Okay, I definitely believe in healing. Where I think we've caused this great divide and discord on the subject of healing is that we, we've tried to make a theology on it. See, we experience things, we see things, and we are constantly trying to rationalize and wrap our heads around it. You know, we've got on one side this good God, and we've got verse after verse after verse about him being our healer, um, when two or more are gathered in his name, that he is there, that when we um, ask anything in his name, that, that it will be given. We have all these scriptures, all these verses that seem in contrast with what we are experiencing in our lives. Okay, I, I'm praying, I'm speaking healing, but you know, my child's still sick. My my kids are still getting nightmares. I still have this cold, you know, and, and so we are wrestling with it. And in order to rationalize, justify, or or work it out in our heads so that it makes sense, we come up with theology. Theology is, and I, I, I've heard so many people come up to me and say, you know, only somebody who's gone to school, only somebody who studied under, only somebody who has, you know, studied theology, who's theology? Whose theology have they studied? Because theology is, in its basic form, our understanding of God. It is humanities, our understanding of who God is. That is theology. So without Jesus here constantly, which, I mean, one could argue he is with us all the time, but still... Until we get to heaven and can actually, you know, know who God is and ask him these questions once and for all and what was literal and what was figurative and, you know, like there's there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of uncertainty. God does not paint it all out. He even says that there is mystery in the Bible. So, so until we truly can know that we know that we know that we know, then we don't know. I mean, how can we say the theology of, I'm even going to go there, and, and I definitely, you know, I, I, in our curriculum, um, I, I love the theory of, um, and I have generally aligned myself with and teach my children, young earth. But to be quite frank, I was not there when the earth was created. And so could there be you know, metaphorical or days or how long was the spirit hovering over the water? I don't know. I wasn't there. Am I going to say that somebody is not saved if they don't believe, if they think that maybe the spirit was hovering over the water and maybe there was some earth and so there was some rock that had some dating? Or, I, I'm not going to judge someone's salvation on that. See, my understanding of God is full of a lot of room for mystery because I know that my human mind cannot possibly fathom all of the greatness, the bigness, the the majesty and the wonder of who God is. I can never, I could never, none of us could ever, even the love of God. And we are not talking about all of God. We are talking about the love of God. It says that it is so, that what was it that it, one of the, one of the Matthew, Mark, Lou, or John said that the things that Jesus accomplished, it, it, there was so much, it, a book could not possibly contain it. So we have just, just even what Jesus did in his time on earth, which was limited, okay? 
we we have more than we could possibly understand. So so when we look at this and we look at how big God is and how wondrous God is and how much God has no beginning and no end, we can't fathom those things. The Trinity, I mean, we can teach it to our kids kind of, but the reality is, is that we can't fathom it. We have no frame of reference. We have no context. He is just bigger. We are limited. He is not. So, so I struggled with this because I feel like we, we try to just put everything into this, this theology, this understanding, and that this is the right one. This is all there is. There's never room for mystery. Everything must be rationalized. Everything has to be explained. And quite frankly, I disagree. I disagree. Why are we not okay with wonder? You cannot say that we have wonder when we consider God if we have all the answers. I don't think that's biblical. I don't think that that is, that is how we are even supposed to view God. I don't think we're supposed to have all the answers. In fact, there are scripture after scripture after scripture about stop using your intellect. <laughs> stop trying to rationalize everything in your mind. Stop glorifying your mind. Go back to the Garden of Eden where, where you have the two trees. You, you notice the tree that Adam and Eve ate from was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to know. I want to know. This, this need, this irrational, I believe it's irrational, quite frankly, need to, I need to know. It's no different than the Tower of, of Babel, Babel, where they were building it up because they wanted to be whatever, reach God, reach heaven. They were glorifying their own intellect. They were glorifying their own accomplishments. And, and it was not pleasing to God. See, he wants us to look at him in wonder. He says, you can't pass possibly, you can't possibly, possibly fathom. So when we're talking about healing, why is there not room for wonder? How are we building such a theology around it that we have decided in order to deal with the, the, the questions in our mind that this is it, this is the right way, everything else is wrong? To say that God does not heal just because we didn't see healing in this circumstance is wrong. God heals. To say that God always heals and and if there isn't healing, it's because of something we're doing wrong puts now the dependency on us. It's now taking that whole thing of there's nothing that we can do. Salvation is a free gift, um, you know, that we don't earn God's favor. We don't earn his love. And we're switching that around and we're saying, yes, it's all about what we do. If, if we have no sin, if we, you know, if it's all about us and if we fix all of that, then boom, we will be healed. That's wrong. That's wrong because, because there's questions, because there's unknown, because God has plans and purposes, because he can use any and all things, because we see even the disciples go through difficult, difficult, hard things, and even death. We see that Jesus said that you would experience hardship in this world. So to say that we will never have hardship, that our lives are going to be perfect if we just are, are pure and blameless, that's wrong. Our lives are not going to be perfect. God never promised us our lives are going to be perfect. So why are we as the body of Christ building these camps on these opposite ends of, of this confusion, of this question, of this wonder of, you know, maybe God will heal and I'm going to contend for and I'm going to seek and I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask because he says to ask, he says to come boldly before his throne. I'm going to keep doing that even if I don't see it. 
I don't know if you've ever read the Hall of Faith in Hebrews, but in that it lists off all these people and all, and they're in the Hall of Faith. They were the ones who believed the most. Put these up here and try to be like them because these guys believed. And every one of them died without seeing everything fulfilled. They saw some things fulfilled. They did not see everything fulfilled. Moses did not get to walk into the promised land himself. See, every one of them believed to their dying breath, and yet there were still some things that they were holding on to, promises that they were waiting for that they did not see fulfilled in their time. Does that mean that they were to stop having faith? No. But that means that there's sometimes going to be a question. Maybe we're contending our whole life, and it's not for us, it's for the next generation. And I always say when it comes to healing specifically, this is such an easy one because I get to pray and I get to speak healing and I get to trust that whether on this side of heaven or the next, that's going to be answered. It's going to be answered. One day there will be healing. And so I'm going to continue to speak. I'm going to continue to ask. I'm going to continue to contend for what I know will one day be answered, whether here or there. So I feel like I just needed to go into my theology a little bit of healing, my understanding and my room that I leave for the mystery of God. And and I know that that is not just an easy topic. And I know that not everyone's going to agree with me on that. But quite frankly, I see two sides of a pendulum. I think both sides are causing great damage by absolutely throwing out the other side. And again, I feel like there needs to be this room in the middle where we stop trying to take our circumstances and rationalize everything and know everything and understand everything and instead trust and give it to God and and do what scripture says to do, to come boldly before the throne, to ask, um, to gather in his name, to do what he says to do, to lay hands. Is anyone among you sick? sick um, have the elders lay hands and pray for healing. We are to do what we are given examples of in the Bible but then also leave room for not needing to rationalize it all. So when we're talking about it's mine, let's go back to this, the ownership, the things that we put over us. Sickness is a big one. And I can tell you firsthand, I am not condemning anyone. I am not judging anyone. I do this. I absolutely do this. I'm working on this. I work on it all the time because it's just part of our culture. All the time, I will catch myself and I will switch my verbiage. So for example, instead of saying, I have a cold, I'll be like, I'm fighting a cold. I'm fighting a cold and I'm going to win in the name of Jesus. I'm fighting a cold. I, I I will sometimes say I have a sore throat because I'm fighting a cold, but I'm really working on that. Um, with my kids, I definitely fell prey to that. I, I really am not a fan of the diagnoses that are put on our children. Um, I, I, a big one, and I've even said this myself, I've probably said it in past podcasts, I have anxiety. I didn't realize I had anxiety until blah, 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 blah. I can, I can list off the stories I tell to explain the moment I realized I have anxiety. I'm not doing that no more. No, I do not have anxiety. Sometimes I battle anxiety. Sometimes anxiety comes on me and I say, uh-uh, not today, Satan, because anxiety is fear and fear is not from God. Therefore, if it's not from God, I want no part of it. And the same goes true for my kids. They were diagnosed. They have on a piece of paper somewhere, someone who said that a couple of my kids have clinical anxiety. No, I'm sorry, but I am sick and tired of our children having these kind of things spoken over them. They're curses. Now, does my child struggle 
Yes. Did especially, and we've worked a lot over the past few years of, of building tools and scriptural tools into my children of how to fight this stuff when it comes on them. I'm not saying the struggle isn't real. I'm not saying there aren't real things that we go through, but I'm saying, why would I speak? Why would I curse? Why would I just accept it, align, put it over my shoulders, put it over my child's shoulders like a sentence, a death sentence that I put on them day after day that I speak to my friends about, I speak to other people about, and I say, they have this. No, they do not. This they struggle with. It's such a simple shift, but that simple shift is the difference of us sentencing our children versus us being able to recognize what and discerning what they're battling against and fighting alongside them. The same is true for us. So that's the I haves, and and it's a simple verbiage switch. But then we have the I am. I am fearful. I am angry. This is where we take our feelings, and instead of just, just, and I'm not saying don't recognize your feelings. I'm not saying ignore your feelings. No, no, that's part of discernment. Discernment is being able to recognize what's coming on us, what we are struggling with, and, and with feelings, often that's coming from ourselves. This isn't some, you know, big demonic thing. This is actually from within us. It can be triggered by our experiences, triggered by our past, triggered by all sorts of things. So we take that, and we actually declare it over ourselves, curse ourselves, essentially, and say that this is now what I am. See, no one gets to tell me who I am or what I am other than God. That's it. No one else gets to put that on me. My identity cannot come from my feelings because if my identity comes from my feelings, then my identity is constantly shifting and moving and shaky. So instead of saying, I am fearful, I am angry, I am overwhelmed, we say, I'm feeling. I'm feeling this way but it's not who I am. I'm struggling with this, but it's not true. This is the whole thing of taking our thoughts captive. When we don't do that, when we don't take our thoughts captive, then they actually become things that we uh, agree with, align with, give power to. And we're going to talk more about that. I have scripture for you, but I want to go into the specific verbiage of what we say versus what we could say instead. Here's another one. I'm not This is a big one. I'm not an evangelist. You know, that's just not me. Like, you know, some people have that gift, but I don't. And so I'm just not going to go out and tell anyone about Jesus. Um, Okay, you guys, we all, every one of us, were given the great commission to go out and make disciples of all nations. We are all all called to be evangelists in one form or another. We are all called to share the good news of great joy that will be for all people. You are called to evangelism. I am called to evangelism and I've literally said these words myself. So again, I'm not judging you. I'm just sharing with you. I'm not gifted. I'm not this. I'm not that. Again, this comes back to the I am. You're now speaking over you what you're not. And you're taking these little, these little insecurities, these little um, lies that you, you know, you hear. Other people speak things over you and you accept them. Whatever it may be, whatever the situation, I'm not good at this. I just can't do that. And, and you are aligning with it. But the only one who gets to tell you who you are is God. That's it. End of story. We've got the I can'ts, I won'ts, I don't have. 
these these words, you are seeing it, right? These things that we take, they're ownership. We take ownership of them. Before that, they're not ownership. They're a little insecurity. They're a little feeling. They're a little thought. Um, but when we speak it, when we say it, when we declare it, and when we say, I have, I am, I'm not, I can't, I won't, I don't. When we say those things out loud, we are essentially taking ownership of that. We are declaring it. We are giving power to it. We are putting it over our shoulders or our children's shoulders. We're cursing ourselves. We are cursing others. And this is all throughout scripture. So let's look at a couple of verses about our, our words and the power of them. Remember, we are made in the image of God. And I know I've said this before, but we are made in the image of God. And, and God's word was so powerful that when he spoke, things literally were fashioned out of nothing. Jesus was the word of God made flesh. The word of God is so powerful. The word of God is literally Jesus. That is the word of God. Jesus is the spoken word. When God said, let there be light, it was Jesus who was the power that there was light. Like God, I, I, and this is the whole thing of the Trinity that is just, it just blows my mind. But that's where Jesus said, I can't do anything outside of my father's will because it is a father who, who it was his will that there would be light and he spoke it and Jesus just did his father's will. So our words are so powerful. Why? Because we are made in the image of God and God's words were so powerful that they fashioned the entire earth just by speaking. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Is the words that you are speaking over yourself building you up? When you say, I have a cold, I have cancer, I am fearful, I am angry, I'm not gifted, I'm not an evangelist, I can't do that, I won't do that, I don't have that. When you speak those things, is that building you up? Proverbs twelve eighteen says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Matthew 12, 36 says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Literally, I actually believe that quite literally the words that we speak, the things that we align with have the power to bring health and healing to our body. They also have the power to to make us sick. I honestly believe that. I think the more that we speak it, we agree with it, we simmer in it, it's like that self-pitying, I'm so sick, I'm so sick, I'm so sick. It's like, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, we're literally, it becomes our mantra. It becomes everything that our whole thought process is about. We're speaking it over ourselves again and again and again and again and again. What about what about bitterness? What about when we take our feelings and we speak those over ourselves? I hate this person. I hate them. That's bitterness. 
And I believe that bitterness, there is a root. I have seen it. I have seen people who are so bitter and they are so angry and they have allowed it for so long that they get really sick and they die. I have seen it. Now, I'm not saying that that every sickness or cancer is a result of, I've seen good Good, good, good people die, and it was not a result of bitterness. Let me tell you, again, there's not a theology around this. I'm not trying to make a doctrine. I'm not trying to make a religion out of this. I'm just saying that our feelings, that that it matters, that we have to not only take our thoughts captive, we have to take our feelings captive, and we definitely, definitely are called to take our tongue captive to hold it in check, to hold it in line, to watch it, to guard it, and to make sure that what it is speaking is useful for building up. That's it. If this is not something that is going to build up myself or others, and that's so easy with someone else and not so easy with ourselves. Proverbs 13.3 says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. John 17, 17 um, says, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. And this is such a key. This is such a, a key is, is going to the word of God rather than taking our experiences. See, the things we experience, we see in the natural, the thoughts that we have, the feelings that we have, and how we try to rationalize it in our heads. What if instead we stopped trying to do that and we took it to God's word? See, he says, test everything with the word of God. Do you think that that just means a pastor? Do you think that that just means what somebody is saying? What if that was ourselves? What if it was our own feelings, our own thoughts, our own experiences? And we are supposed to take those to God. We are supposed to ask him what he has to say about it. We are supposed to test it with his word, see if it is true and and line it up with what is true. James 3, 5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And Psalm 141, 3 says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I know I have talked about the power of our words before, but I feel like this is almost the dark side of it. You know, the power of our words to build up, the power of our words and, and how we need to be careful what we say. But, but this is on the other side. This is talking about not just when we say it, but when we start to believe it. This is when we not just say it and we start to believe it, we actually take ownership of it. We put it over ourselves. There are things I believe for every one of us that we have been speaking over ourselves. We've been speaking over our children. There are things that we have accepted. There are things that we have declared. There are things that we have allowed to take root into our homes and our lives. Do you know how many times in scripture there were, there were things that were demonic? You know, we're okay with saying, well, maybe there's sin in our life. Maybe that's part of the reason. Yeah, because that's scriptural. In the same way, there is plenty of times where sickness was actually caused, especially mental health stuff, by the demonic. See, we don't talk about that. 
We don't ever assume that possibly there could be, you know, a demonic presence. But the Bible says we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. See, if instead we started to view some of these things and realize that that the this is this is this is so critical that we are battling for our children's lives, we are battling for our lives because we aren't just battling something simple like a cold in the natural, but that we are actually battling a spirit of infirmity. That we are actually battling, you know, a, a, a spirit of fear that's coming over our home, that's coming over our kids. Are we lining it up with God's word? Are we recognizing what we're dealing with? Are we fighting it the right ways? I've been working on this so much in my own life and specifically with my children right now. And one of the things I've been saying to my my son is that I I will not be here to fight your battles all the time. Now, I have a responsibility right now and you have a responsibility right now. If your child has been wrestling, if they have been battling, especially mental health issues, I'm specifically going to bring this up because I believe that mental health issues in our kids are so often, they are, they are demonic. So often you guys, they are demonic and, and we just, we just take the natural aspect of it. We forget that we're fight, not fighting against flesh and blood. We forget that there's principalities. We get lulled into this false sense of security of all this medical terminology that we accept we take ownership of and we don't even realize what has taken root in our home and in our lives so I've been working with my my son and I've been talking with him and and giving him tools of you know the 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 Bible says that we are to put on the armor of God and what that looks like and giving him the sword of the spirit that when he speaks, when he speaks truth, when he speaks God's word and we've been memorizing scripture like fear is a big one I've had all of my kids memorize, for God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And they speak that out. And I can tell you that almost every one of my children would be able to give you a story of a time that they were so full of fear, whether it was late at night or something was happening, and they used their sword and they spoke the word of God and it broke it. It broke it and they felt peace because they used their sword. See, we have to actually give our kids tools. We have to equip them. I'm not saying that my kids have found total victory when it comes to um, anxiety or, or struggling with fear or that we just never dealt with that again, that boom, they were healed and we walked forward and there's never been a moment that we've ever looked back. I can't say that for myself. Every once in a while, I struggle. Every once in a while, it comes over me. I feel overwhelmed. I get caught up in in my feelings. I, I feel the pressure and I I feel like I'm going to crack and I have to remind myself and I have to battle against it. See, see, we're not promised that there isn't going to be a battle, but we have to equip our kids for the battle. We have to equip ourselves for the battle. And part of the way we equip our children is by equipping ourselves. Are your kids seeing you begin to have victory over your tongue? Are your kids seeing you begin to, to switch the narrative and stop taking ownership of things and begin to fight against the things that you are facing and recognize that you aren't just fighting against flesh and blood? Are they seeing you begin to see things in the spirit and in a spiritual mindset rather than everything in just the natural of what your eyes see? Are they watching you rationalize things and try to wrap your head around things instead of taking it to God and surrendering it to him and being okay with some of the mystery and the wonder? Are they seeing God be the God in your life? God. 
the Lord of your heart, the one that you live your life for, the one you give your questions to, or are they seeing you essentially make a God of your intellect and, and, and worshiping how much you know and, and what theology you have or who you've studied under? What are they watching right now? This is it. This is the question. When it comes to ownership, what you're battling for is not just for yourself. You are battling for your children. We have to give our kids tools. And I have been so focused in this past season of teaching my children, of speaking scripture over my children, and of specifically equipping them to be able to walk this stuff out. Because if it's all reliant on me, then I'm going to miss some of those times. My kids need to have their own relationship with God. They need to work some of these things out on their own. But at the same time, we cannot just abandon our children and just look at it all in the natural and say, you know what? You're just going to have to deal with your bad attitude, your anger, your this, your that. Just fix it. Change your attitude. You know, don't be angry anymore. One of the things I've realized with my son is he can't help it. He literally can't help it. He needs tools. He needs me to equip him to handle what is too big for him to handle. There was a time when, when my husband and I sat down, we were praying through some stuff that we were dealing with with our kids and um, specifically one, and we were praying through some stuff and, and we realized that we had really just abandoned them to deal with that on their own. That we were just just expecting them to be able to handle it and, and that they couldn't. We'd seen it time and time again, but we hadn't really taken the time to sit down and and just acknowledge the fact that they could not handle this on their own. They were dealing with something so much bigger than them and they needed our help. And, and that is sometimes walking alongside, teaching, training, praying for our kids. Sometimes it is it is just praying not even with them where they're seeing it, but when they're not. It's waking up and praying over your children to have victory that day. It's waking up and contending for for your kids and for their victory, not just your own. It is recognizing it and speaking it and declaring it and equipping our kids. It's the whole picture. It's all of it. They need it all. We've dealt with some hard things with our kids, but we've also dealt with just right now one of the things that we're, and this is very specific, okay? I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, This is very specific, but one of our kids is, and you've probably seen him, and I know that I've I've even talked about him in some of my sessions. And by the way, he has given me permission to share, but he is small. He is incredibly small, um, like, like very, 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 very small. And we have, we, I mean, we're, we've gone to the doctors before. We're going to probably do another round of that again and just see if there's anything that was missed. But up until this point, there hasn't been anything. There's no reason for it, but he is just incredibly small. He is just, and we're watching as he's become a teenager, we're watching just the, the, the struggle, the disappointment, the hurt, the, it's, it's so hard to watch him walk through this. And I wish with every fiber of my being that I could just pull him out. I wish that I could just fix it because watching your kids be rejected and be made fun of and, and just, just, it is the hardest thing. And some of you can relate to that. It is just, it is the absolute hardest thing to watch my son walk through. And so how do you equip your kids for just the reality of the world? 
And the world is not necessarily a very nice place sometimes. And so he's had a taste of it that our other kids just haven't. They haven't. Not the same. There is something that that this child walks through that they just don't. And so we've worked a lot with him. But one of the things God's laid on my heart recently is, is to start um, not just giving him and equipping him to deal with the negative aspects of it, but to start speaking life to start prophesying and speaking life and to start speaking to his bones. You know, you, you've got um, the whole dry bones and, and get up and all of that. Yeah, There is just something right now where I feel like God is like, you know what, every day you need to start, start speaking. You need to start speaking growth over him. And I've seen something happen every day. I, and it's not long. It's not like this huge, long-winded thing. Every day he comes and I, I told him he's allowed to remind me. He's allowed to interrupt me that I will pray. And I, I lay my hand on him and I speak to his body. And I speak to his bones. I speak growth. I say, Malachi, I pray that you're going to grow. I do this every day. And this is just recently. But we've been doing this. And he's, I've been encouraging him to do it himself as well. I want you to do it too. And I've been reminding my other kids, I want you to do it too. We are going to start coming alongside Malachi. And we are going to start speaking life to his body. We're going to speak that he's going to gain weight so that he can grow. And he's going to be a normal size. In fact, he's going to be even bigger. And at the same time, we're speaking growth over his body. We're speaking growth over his spirit and his mind and all of these things. So we're, we're, we're speaking life into my son and I've watched something happen. I've watched right now. I mean, like I said, it's recent. I haven't seen, you know, any, any huge change in his size, though we do want to measure him and kind of follow as we go. But regardless, I've watched my son feel like he's not so alone in this battle. I've watched his little face light up when I remember to pray for him. I've watched when his siblings pray or daddy joins in, him feel like he's seen and he's recognized. And I think that that is probably just as healing to his soul as is the actual power of the words that we are speaking over him. There is power in our words. There's opportunity. I feel like there's so much that we could be doing that we don't because we get lulled into this false sense of security. We get we get distracted by the world and we start to think the way the world thinks. But you guys, we're not. We're we're not of the world. We have we have a, a totally different mindset. We have a spiritual mindset. We have a kingdom-minded mindset that we can put on, that we can view things through this perspective that's totally, totally different. Like when, when, was it Elijah or Elisha? I always get those two mixed up. And every time I like say it in my mind eight times, but when he told his servant and he prayed that God would open his eyes so he would see that greater was he that was with us than he that's in the world. He saw the angel armies surrounding them. And there were so many more, even though in the natural, it looked one way. When he looked in the spirit, he saw something totally, totally different. This is biblical. This is biblical. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against. This is a biblical concept. There is more that we are told exists. There are things that we're dealing with that's another layer that we are we can choose to just ignore or we can choose to engage and we can choose to actually start to walk in victory and fight and use our spiritual armor and, and use our sword of the spirit, the word of God, and begin to rise up and speak and use our mouths to speak what is true. 
I always tell my kids that whole, um, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, think about such things. We say that before bed. When they're struggling with bad dreams, I go in and I say, I speak over you. And as you go to bed, you have a responsibility now. I'm going to pray for no bad dreams and no fear and all of those things. But as you go to bed, now here's your part to play. You need to go to bed and you need to think about whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure. You need to think about those things. Don't let your mind just think about whatever it wants. Fill it with good things. Fill it with the word of God. Fill it with, you know, you you have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility to not let our mind run rampant because if your mind runs rampant, that's why we take our thoughts captive. If you do not do that, then what the next logical step is you start speaking that stuff out. And that's what the enemy wants because once you start speaking those things out, once you start taking ownership, once you start saying that's mine, once you start putting that over your kids, you are agreeing with it, you are giving power to it, you are accepting it, and it becomes put on you like a cloak that you didn't even realize you were carrying. The question for you to walk away with today is what are you taking ownership of? What are you taking ownership of? Take some time. Pray about it. What are you taking ownership of over yourself? What are you putting on and taking ownership of for the sake of your children? And then start to speak what is true. Start to take it to the word of God. Start to ask him what he has to say and and what things maybe you've been aligning with lies or you've been accepting things that he does not want you to accept. (sighs) All right, that's it. This has been long. I'm going to wrap it up. You guys, I, I, no, I just bind retaliation in the name of Jesus. And I speak that God, whatever whatever seeds you have sown, that those are not going to be scooped up. Whatever seeds you have sown and and grow, that they are not just going to shrivel and die, but rather that seeds that you have sown, not me, but seeds that you have sown that are specific, that people needed to hear exactly what they needed to hear, that those things would go deep. I pray that we would begin to walk and that we would begin to practice what your word tells us to do. I pray that we would begin to speak what is true. I begin that we would pray that we would begin to test what we think and what we hear and what we even experience experience with your word and that we would not base it on our rationalization. We would not try to simplify or or view it in a way that would make it easier for us to understand, but that we would be okay with the mystery, with the unanswered questions. We would give it to you and we would continue to fight the good fight, that you would increase our faith, that you would increase our hope, that we would begin to um, be pillars of faith in our family, that there would be a hall of faith that would be passed on to our children and that we We would be families that stand for and contend for what is true and what is in scripture instead of accepting and becoming blinded by our experiences in the natural. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for right now this Christmas season. I just pray blessing over each and every person that has listened and blessing over our families and our children. In the name of Jesus, amen.